Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hi. Hello. How is the great state of Wisconsin treating you today? Uh, it's treating me good today. Definitely barreling fully towards uh, the winter. Sure. But, uh, you know, I've got my sad lamp uh, <laughs> and I don't want to give it away. But yeah, things this week have been a little weird yeah. for Wisconsinites. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to the, all of the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Don't worry, everybody. It's coming up in the show. Uh, I have so many feelings about everything. I... I was going to say, I forget actually. Um, hey, everybody. I My brain is fried. I've been listening to a lot of audio <laughs> today, <laughs> editing, um, but we have a lot of pop culture stuff to get to, and I guess let's just get into it. Just to preface this, this is primarily a pop culture show now with a sprinkling of news at the end of the show, but if you've noticed a, a format change, it's because um, I would like to keep my sanity and I like to talk about pop culture. So that's what's going on. And I am delighted <laughs> that I get to say this because everybody knows that I'm a, a Marvel zombie. I love Marvel. But uh, Meredith is is choosing to tolerate Marvel and saw the Eternals. And I am thrilled. I did on opening weekend Wild. who Wild. am i what well i was you know the combination of there's a fancy director and also just my general horniness for richard madden yes. meant that of course i was gonna go i feel like horniness is really dictating the box office results right now because obviously with the eternals we have everybody's hot on the cast right but of course we right we have Richard Madden, like a, a classically, quote unquote, classically handsome actor. So there's a horniness factor there. Um, Gemma, beautiful, like a gorgeous cast, right? But similarly with Dune, I mean, my God, what a hot cast. And I for sure knew, because I saw it four times in the theater. I love Dune. But I definitely, there was an energy. Four times, I saw it Allison? Four to- in IMAX. I saw it four times. And I'm going to watch it more on HBO. Don't you worry. I love Dune. Every time I watch it, it gets better, and I notice different shit. Denise a god. I, like, fully bought in to uh, the Dune cult. But there is a horny energy in the theater. And I'm not just talking <laughs> about, uh, you know, straight or bi women and gay or bi men. I mean, everybody's horny in Dune. Because how could you not be? That cast is fucking, every single person is hot. If you're going to sit for three hours, you have to be able to get something out of it. Exactly. And you know, you can enjoy it on every level. That's what I told you about the Eternals, which we're going to get to in a second. Said, even if you hate the story, you can look at pretty people for like two hours and 45 minutes. That's how long the Eternals is, everybody. It's too long. It was too long. It's too long. It really was. It's too long for... A film with a plot that can sustain itself for two hours and 45 minutes, let alone what The Eternals was. Let me just say at the top of this review, I am going to be controversial in the pop culture section. I think I have a couple opinions that run uh, counter to the consensus of critics 
maybe even the audiences. So I think this and uh, Last Night in Soho, we're going to get to that. Those will be my two hot takes for this episode. But let me say first and foremost about Eternals. I respect it. And here's why. Chloe Zhao really tried to do something interesting here. And I had two wish list items for the MCU post Endgame. And that was I wanted the MCU to grow up. I wanted them to show real relationships, including sex. And um, I wanted them to get weird because Marvel tends to have these films that come out of a factory, right? You can almost predict beat by beat what's going to happen in every single Avenger or every single Marvel film, including like there's going to be a big CGI fight in the third act every single time. We know it's coming. Oh, here it is right on schedule, you know? Um, And that's not to say the Eternals doesn't have a a third act CGI fight because they most certainly do. I was going to say, what what movie are we talking about? (laughs) Well, part of the issue was, so I respect Chloe Zhao because she did try to do interesting things in this film. There's a full on sex scene, including a thrust. There's a thrust in this sex scene in a Disney film, which... I, I give her credit for that. There is a a gay couple and we get to see their family. They're not just there for like diversity points. They they play a role in the film. Give them credit for that. Um, they have a, a woman of color in the lead. Great. All all good items, right? Um but I was a little wary. I started to hear news from the set that Kevin Feige showed up on set. And that's a bad fucking sign. With the MCU, that means that they think things are going wrong and they want Kevin to come in to fix it. And by Kevin fixing it, quote unquote, it's put it through the Marvel factory. So this film is a weird blend of Chloe Zhao trying to do interesting things, I think, and the Marvel is, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I am, I mean, I, I'm, don't I'm not surprised by your hot take here. I do think like she tried, but honestly, you can feel it really obviously that they didn't let her actually be herself or like put her stamp on the film. Which I should and- say she has not expressed that in any way. She seems to really like stand behind this film and is very excited about it. Um and she seems proud of of the final product now i don't know if she's saying that because you know she doesn't want to undermine her own work or or if she genuinely like was like yeah i will make these compromises i feel comfortable with it and i genuinely like the outcome yeah i mean i just i don't know why you hire somebody like chloe Zhao and then i don't get it let her and then not let her do her thing I, I, it's it's that's it's borderline pointless. It's like, why do you hire an artist if you don't like their art? Well, and the the reason is because Kevin Feige is a weird sort of tyrant. And so the point is to like collect directors, like their action figures. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he's such a, I mean, you could be mad at me. He's such a fucking moron <laughs> that the idea that like, Filming with natural light. I know. Is novel to him. I was really amazed because he went on and on and on and on about, first of all, he said it was the best pitch he's ever heard, which I don't know. Maybe it was a brilliant pitch. I don't know what Chloe Zhao said in the room, but he went on and on and on about the, yeah, the natural light, the visual, 
uh, you know, picture book of this movie. And then I saw it and I was like, I'm sorry, it's not that special. There's like one or two shots on the beach that are genuinely beautiful and you can see that they're on the beach and it's real. But other than that, I was really struck by how it just looked like a Marvel film, including like, even for a Marvel film, very bad CGI um, with the divergence. Oh, I know. But like also, and you know, no spoilers here. It felt like a really heavy handed sort of unnecessary excuse for a villain. Yeah. Like they didn't have any sort of, I didn't feel any sort of interest in that. And, you know, when you have a cast that large, why are you bringing in all of these, you know, fucking monsters? Like, yeah, it- the point of the, I, as far as I can tell, the point of the IP is that they're doing interest, like they're supposed to be grownups and have like existential crises and shit. And then you add in some weird, like, CGI chimeras to mess with them. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, part of the problem was what they try to accomplish in the Eternals is ultimately what they accomplished with the Avengers over the course of 10 years. So that means we're introduced to all the characters. We get their their backstories. We develop relationships among them. That obviously worked for the Avengers because we had 10 years. We have one film for this. So, And it's also very obscure Marvel characters. If you took a poll, even among hardcore Marvel fans, of who the fuck the Eternals are, very few nerds even know who the Eternals are. Yeah. Yeah. So that was tricky. It was a big challenge. Um, They tried to do way too much in one film. All of this sounds like I'm going to anti-wreck this film, but I'm actually going to lightly recommend it because I still think it's... It's noble what Chloe was trying to do. And if the trajectory of the the MCU is is to get weirder and weirder, I actually, I support that very much because we did Iron Man, we did Captain America, we've done the classics, right? So now we got to go galactic and we got to get very weird. And I'm here for that. I'm also here for the MCU growing up. Um, Congratulations on showing an actual sex scene. Uh, oh, I can't believe you're going to say that's nice. It felt like somebody taking their Barbie doll and <laughs> smashing them together. Well, yeah. I, mean, I part of the problem is, did not like it. <laughs> part of the problem was that I don't feel like they did a good job. Again, it's a time issue, I think, of developing Cersei and Icarus. So I didn't really like feel the epic romance um, of which a sex scene is usually the the apex of, right? Where it's like, okay, now we have this like rich relationship capped off with a sex scene. Yes, this makes sense. It felt very abrupt <laughs> because we barely know these characters. In a weird way, I thought actually the, the central romance of the film was between Druig and Makari. I thought Barry and Lauren did a great job of of taking their like few fleeting moments together and actually creating chemistry. I was like, "Ooh, I want to see these guys together way more." Yeah, I I felt like that was actually that was much better. And I I do think that I mean, I just thought that there were too many characters. Oh, 100%. Even with a 3-hour movie, I still felt like, okay, I there's like people I don't get to know. Also, I'm sorry, you can't put Madang Sek into a movie and then just like make him be Angelina Jolie's like big strong protector. Uh, like Yeah, like No. I, I did like their relationship. I think they needed to explore it way more. I, I gotta say, you were talking about Kevin Feige collecting directors like 
dolls. Yeah. How are you going to put Angelina Jolie in this movie and have her do nothing? <laughs> I know. It were- and they, they also like have her do nothing with that much screen time. Yeah. And she could have the, the moments she gets to really turn it up and like act. You remember she's one of the best actresses in the world, which made it even more frustrating that she's given so little in this movie. And again, it's because, as we've been saying, the cast is just too big. There's not enough time to let actors like Angelina Jolie or or Lauren Ridloff or Baron uh, Barry uh, Keegan like actually flex their muscles. And that, of course, also includes the great brian tyree henry who makes everything he's in better um we don't really have enough time with with fastos even though we meet his family which again great but i wanted to get your take on the one of the big biggest controversies in the film is it turns out the eternals have been uh with humanity since the beginning of time and they've influenced human cultures in in many different ways and one of those ways is they have given us technology to advance the human race and um brian's character fastos is the the guy who gives the humans the technology and turns out (laughs) according to the eternals he is the reason that the bombing of hiroshima happened and I think there are two criticisms, two central criticisms of this plot line. One I think is dumb, and the other I think is very valid. The dumb one is are the critics who are like, it is never appropriate to have actual historical events depicted in comic books. I think that is just a arbitrary rule that we're choosing to apply in this moment because this has happened since the beginning of comic books. Did it bother you when the X-Men did it with the Holocaust? No? Then why does it bother you now? I like I get why people are upset, but I'm also like, oh, since when is this a rule? Since when does this bother us? I think it bothers some critics because they didn't like the film overall. And it's just like mm-hmm. another reason to hate it. And I'm like, okay, you were mad to begin with. The valid criticism, I think, is blaming the bombing of Hiroshima on the gay black man, which feels <laughs> weird. Well, and I, I, I just thought it felt unnecessary. Like, why did you have to go to the atom bomb to prove that, like, that's the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to his character feeling like i've done this like even by that time he should have been able to look around and say oh this is kind of fucked and these people don't seem to be using technology very Mm -hmm. well like come on yeah i think he didn't look he didn't look at like the events of wonder woman in world war one and (laughs) and be like i don't know man i think this is you know this is pretty bad like mustard gas not into it yeah, Come we on. can't even get into, like, where the Eternals were during different historical events because it literally makes no sense. It's like, where were you guys? Even if you didn't intervene, did you show up <laughs> to, like, yeah. see what was happening? Well, I'm like, okay, you're you're watching the genocide. Like, at one point, there's, you know, uh, I guess they're, they're watching some genocide by Spanish conquistadors yeah. against indigenous peoples. And I'm like, come on, man. Even at this point, like, they have guns. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you're not mad about the guns? I Like, <laughs> I know one of the main themes throughout the movie is this, like, yeah, uh, intervention versus non-intervention is a big theme throughout it, which is why I think Druig's a really interesting character. He seems to be the only one who's actually, like, trying to do something about it, you know, occasionally stopping these, these mass uh, genocides or executions. But what's confusing is sometimes we have this very, like, amorphous quasi-historical event but not really to illustrate the intervention versus non-intervention struggle and then to just straight up throw in Hiroshima which is a very specific real event feels weird like why did it have to be that moment couldn't have been like another big bomb and a fictional country goes off you know like I wonder why they chose to get very like specific in that moment yeah well and and let's also be clear there are no Japanese people oh, no. in the Hiroshima scene. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it's just him being sad, and Salma Hayek is like, it's okay, it's okay, I love you, I'm a good mom. Yeah. Um, that was the part that was most offensive to me, so they, like, completely left any sort of human element yeah. when, you know, especially since one of the, you know, just this week, Somebody who, like one of the men who was a survivor and then who dedicated his life to eradicating nuclear weapons and also continuing to to spread, you know, educate about the bombing, like just passed away. Mm-hmm. And it hurts that, yeah, they just they managed they turned it into a prop as opposed to making it into like some there was no sense of of realism like Mm -hmm. you didn't even get the idiot conquistadors slaughtering indigenous peoples like in that scene it's just a bunch of ruins and that felt that just felt really egregious like a really tone-deaf misstep yeah and there's no weight to it because there's no time it's like right again i think there was more weight in the scene and this could just because be because barry is a, a great actor but when he insists on on stopping the mass slaughter like i i did feel that and it was sort of like yeah why would you not even if you have these like orders from the giant space robot you know like why why aren't you having this like moral dilemma more (laughs) so i I was glad that it was at least symbolized in one character yeah i mean two things one I would absolutely join his weird Amazonian yes. like cult. Yes. Yep. I uh, I clearly am in the tank for him because I'm like, oh, you're like Jim Jones, but <laughs> good. <laughs> That's weird. Um, and then also, why did the Celestials have to look so much like Ugh. the Iron Giant? Oh boy, it it was not good visually. Like a lot of the the visual choices, I was like. This looks bad. It looks bad. It looks cheesy even for Marvel. Yeah. I was like, okay, this doesn't work for me. And they are supposed to be all these all-powerful galactic beings. like Robots. They're robots. That's a big yeah. reveal. I guess uh, I'll put a spoiler warning at the top of this. But yeah, they the one of the big reveals in the movie is that um turns out they're robots. <laughs> And, you know, look, like, I'm not against everybody being a robot. Like, come on, we all have to go through our weird, like, identity crises. But, eh? I don't know. Like, I just, it felt like a waste of a bunch of incredibly sexy people. Um, When, 
you know, yeah, basically I just wanted to spend the whole time in the Amazon with Barry's cult. Yeah, it was really all over the place with tone too. like Kumail's in a different movie. I know. I felt really like I felt really bad for yeah. him, especially knowing what what he like did to his body there, and it, all of the lifelong consequences that's going to have. Yeah, it, it's there's such a dark undertone to all of that. I mean, like, where was that profile of him? GQ. GQ. There's a GQ interview with him where basically it was revealed that no one asked him to get in in crazy shape. And they have a quote from Chloe Zhao where she's like, yeah, we didn't tell him to do that. And he was very candid where he was talking about, like, he has body dysmorphia issues and, you know, grew up thinking he he's not attractive, which is insane, obviously. Um, and he just felt really bad about himself. So he, he used it as, like, an opportunity to get in, like, insane shape. Um, and it doesn't really make sense for the movie because you have Brian standing right next to him and like, you know, like God bless Brian. Like he, he looks great. He's a really attractive guy, but he did not get in like MCU shape, quote unquote. He's just a dude in a costume. And I like that. I like that. Like normal people were fighting. Um, and I think it would have been cool to see like Kumail, like old Kumail, in a great costume fighting but instead we have this like weird buff version of him that didn't need to be and yeah and like the tone of his character like i don't believe that his character and icarus were friends (laughs) like how (laughs) how are these two men friends ever um but yeah it was very unusual kumail seems like the most marvel-y performance in the film in a film that was trying not to be marvel yeah and you know cool like i don't think that movies need to have comedic relief if you are doing that but oh i just i just it took me out of all of it and that was really rough so are you wrecking or anti-wrecking i mean like does it matter everybody's gonna see it anyway yeah it matters because that's what we do on the show i'm I'm giving it a light wreck (laughs) i would say that's the same okay like it it was it was good enough i mean watching you could definitely spend your time in worse ways than watching, like spending two and a half hours watching the movie. That's how I felt. I felt there was like enough interesting shit and enough good performances peppered throughout that I was like, I was engaged more or less the whole time. My mind did wander a few times, especially when it like they started to overly complicate the plot in ways that they didn't need to do. <laughs> I was a little like yeah. I uh, checked out for a little bit. Um but other than that, I was like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I know, like, it's the first Marvel film on Rotten Tomatoes to be ranked rotten, uh, which, you know, whatever, Rotten Tomatoes sucks, so who really cares? But I, I think it's telling, and potentially a good outcome of all of this might be that the Marvel bubble is bursting a little bit, which I think can only be good for filmmaking. I Listen, they're Marvel. I know they're going to come back in, like, a huge way with Spider-Man and, and all of that stuff, but... I don't know. I'm a little encouraged because, like, w- my biggest feeling watching The Eternals was, man, Dune was really good. <laughs> because Dune fit a ton of exposition into that first movie in a pretty elegant way. Like, I know some people thought it was boring, it was too long, but if you watch The Eternals right after it, it's like, damn, that Dune's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like they had plenty of time to make Timothy Chalamet look like he was brooding in a Calvin Klein <laughs> perfume yeah. ad from the like mid 1990s uh, and also 
bring in all of this stuff. Something for everybody, um, you know? Yeah. I, you know, what I will say is that, like, in terms of actual anti-rex, basically for every single movie that was previewed Oof. before things started. Good Lord. Uh, I mean, first of all, I am a massive animal lover, oh but somebody please stop Clifford the Big Red Dog. I will never say this again, but you got to shoot that dog. <laughs> that dog's unnatural. Exactly. God did not make that dog. No, no, that is a, that is truly, it could all, Clifford might be a, uh, you know, some sort of demon hellhound from Dr. Morbius, which oh, was also a preview. Meredith. And, it, you know, somebody needs to stop Jared Leto. Like, oh, people want him in the Dune sequel. And I'm like, write it down. If that happens, I'm going to kill everyone because he will <laughs> only ruin that movie. I like every time I see Jared Leto, I'm like, there he is being Jared Leto. I'm going to see that stupid movie because ultimately what they're trying to do is they're trying to build like a villain's universe in Sony and it's going to be Venom. It's going to be Morbius. It's going to be like all the big hits together. And I'm like, of course I'm going to see this, but I'm not happy about it. I, you know what? Like just watch fucking Penny dreadful again and like <laughs> drool over evergreen. Don't worry about watching like say, like spare yourself the suffering. I'll watch it at home. Like, I'll watch it at home. Yeah. Just don't like we like, Jared Leto needs to be stopped. Like, I agree. I like. Can we not cast their the, other like brooding, attractive actors out there? Like, why does Jared? He must be really good in the room. Do you know what I mean? He must like really be good at schmoozing. Because I'm like, yeah, he's a fine actor, but he's not like the best actor. You know? So I'm like, why does he keep getting this shit? I know. I mean, well, they did like, you know. I'll just never forgive. The Academy for giving him an no. Oscar, like ever, dark day. Um, like fine, like putting him in House of Gucci. They put him in a stupid nose. Like that's okay. But there are but actors no. that actually look like what they had to spend eight hours turning him into. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like you could have just cast an unknown actor. How exciting for them if that was their first role opposite Lady Gaga. How exciting for everybody. But you put Jared Leto in a fat suit. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. After all those years, I'm like, okay, fine. You know, like, I like I want to go back in time and punch <laughs> teenage me for thinking that he was. Hot it's not your fault. Life. Don't like, don't be ashamed. Nobody knew what was going to happen. He was very pretty in that show. It's not your fault. Yeah, and uh, you know, also I feel like kind of bad, but one of the reasons why I'm so anti this Morbius movie is. That I will forever link Jared Leto and Ted Cruz together because they're the same age. Oh, yeah. That is one of those weird facts where you're like, that can't be right. Mm-mm. But uh, but it is. It, it is. is. And that's so. what I well, I was going to say. That's what being evil turns you into. But that makes no sense when compared to Jared Leto. Right. Exactly. He um, must have just made a pact so, with the devil, yeah. man. Yeah, he's got a, there's a, a rotting portrait somewhere of him <laughs> that is, uh, you know, just locked there's away. There's gotta be. Um, so yeah. also, I'm going to recommend Spencer, which I saw over the weekend. Um, my prediction, I'm swinging for the fences, Kristen Stewart, Academy Award winner. 
I'm I'm predicting it this early. That there are some films there, that will be up for best actor that haven't even come out yet, and I am saying Kristen Stewart, best actor. I mean, I'm here for it. We've been talking about how much we love her and uh, how great she is for. I mean, weeks, basically. <laughs> yeah, I had a few people write me and they were like, would you recommend the film? And I said, well, if you go in knowing that the film is basically a play and she's amazing in it, I think you'll be braced. Like, is the film itself great? I don't know. It's like, I liked it. I didn't love it. But yeah. she's awesome in it. And you forget pretty quickly, like the first one or one to two minutes, I was like, wow, that's Kristen Stewart doing a really good die impression. Um, and then you forget because she's so good. And I really, really loved the, by the way, this is all fictionalized. It, it says at the beginning of the film, this is a fable. It's not true. This is a fan fiction, right? Uh, her relationship with her boys is really great. And I think the heart of the film and those scenes were really enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely on my list to see. Uh, and I am excited for it. It's just a question of like actually getting to sure. it. Um, cause how much time does anybody really have for a, a understated tone piece that is all about one person's Apparently um, I have a lot of time for it. But... Because, <laughs> uh, well, all I do is go to the movies lately. Um, so I also wanted to recommend French Dispatch. You know, I'll, I'll go through this pretty quickly. If you like the other Wes Anderson films, you'll like French Dispatch. Um, I, I don't want to be derogatory in, like, describing his filmmaking, but it's, like, you know, very much like more of the dollhouse filmmaking that made him so famous. Um, there are great performances. Benicio Del Toro, Jeffrey Wright um, being among them. There's a very funny storyline with uh, Timmy and Francis McDormand um, that I loved. And yeah, I, I that's my recommendation, though. If you love Wes Anderson, watch The French Dispatch. Yeah. Um, so tell me more about your feelings about yes. Last Night in Soho, because I have not seen okay. it, but I am excited and you have made me start to rethink i know that. and i don't want to talk people out of like liking it or seeing it i think it's definitely worth seeing because edgar wright is all about style right he's he's always style over substance i found um he obviously he wasn't the only screenwriter of last night in soho but it, it feels like very much an edgar wright film and my issue with the style over substance thing with last night in soho is that approach is fine when you're dealing with, like, zombies, right? Or, you know, a bunch of weird people taking over a town. Like, very, like, poppy things. That tone fits. They try to tackle serious stuff in Last Night in Soho, and the tone doesn't work, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it has to do with, like, what happens to characters in the film, but... He is trying to approach very serious subject matters in the same kind of stylistic way. And at the beginning of this film, it works. There's a bunch of neat camera tricks. They do a lot of stuff with like reflections and mirrors, a lot of practical effects that are technically very, very impressive. But the heavier the tone gets, the more it's like, oh, Edgar, you should you should not be weighing <laughs> into this territory. I'm afraid for you. I don't feel like you're going to stick the landing. And then he doesn't stick the landing. And it's like, there you go. That's why you shouldn't be um, tackling this subject matter. However, having said that, if you want to just look at Anya or, or uh, Matt be beautiful in a film, this is a great film to watch them be beautiful. And I know you don't agree with me about Matt Smith. <laughs> 
No, you, I like, I, I submit this to the listeners. Please back me up on this. Matt Smith is not attractive. He's back me up. He's just not attractive. He's back me up. He is attractive. Um, but we disagree on that. That's fine. We both agree that Anya's beautiful. Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. All right. So she's in a bunch of great 60s outfits. Something that I kept thinking about through this is it's so obviously a movie written by older people. And I don't mean that to be like, um, you know, shade, but since when is a young person nostalgic for the 60s? Like a person who is the protagonist's age would be nostalgic for like the late 80s. Oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. It's so it's true. It's so weird that she like, and, and people are treating her like she's weird and that's like valid because it's like, you are a very, you seem like a 45, 50 year old man in a a, uh, a young woman's body and it's because older people wrote <laughs> <laughs> there is also a big, big problem I have in the film where there's a full-on black sidekick character in the year of our Lord 2021. And there's a horrible moment where he compares his suffering as a black man to her feeling awkward as a white girl. That was so oh, no. tone deaf. I was just like, I didn't understand this character. I didn't understand why he was making all these sacrifices for a girl that he barely knows. I mean, like huge sacrifices, no spoilers, but like, you know, putting putting his safety in jeopardy. Um, I didn't understand why he was doing that. And he was a very one dimensional character. And it was just uh, extra bad because he's a black man. And uh, he's used as a, a plot tool in really uncomfortable ways that have to do with like the police. And I, I, I hated it. <laughs> I hated that part of the movie. Oh, I mean, that is. Ugh. I mean, it was it was gross when Tom Hanks did it in That Thing You Do. And that was 1997, was it? 96? Yes. So come on, guys. Like, find a find a better outdated trope yeah or yeah or or be better writers like i don't know like why why are we doing this and i think it was to like indicate we're in modern times now it's like look we have an interracial couple it's like fun (laughs) can we do can we give like what's his family like like we don't know anything about this man and i was just sort of like man you can do better get away from this girl and i have to say too like um what's the lead's name i'm spacing on her name do you remember thomas mckenzie thomas and she's a great actress uh, and- yeah, she's wonderful in Leave No Trace with uh, Ben, what's his face, Ben Foster. Yeah, she's in The King, too, I, I think. Um, yeah, she's a great actress. Seen her in a bunch of different stuff. I, I think she's going to blow up. This character does her no favors. She starts at a hysterical 10, and she stays at the 10. And she's just, like, really annoying, grating. Uh, badly written and she can't even save it and she's a she's a great actress so but that's not her fault that's the writing I just felt bad for her that she was like given that to work with because I know she can be so good and she doesn't get to really show it in this film so for all of those reasons I'm anti-recommending it and it's got a really a pretty good rating on Rotten Tomatoes and I don't agree I think you know, to to quote the the infamous line, gowns, beautiful gowns, like beautiful camera tricks. And that's all this movie is. Oh, that's so disappointing. I will still see yes, it, you but should. I am preparing that's the thing I'm saying. for like, it to be. <laughs> you know, there are sometimes anti-recs where you're like, don't see this. I'm anti-recking it, but I'm like, maybe you should see it. If you're a fan of Edgar Wright, if you like him, I I, I think his sense of humor is almost like a Gen X sense of humor. Like... 
sometimes it's really dated humor. I, it's not for me all the time. But if you saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world, if you saw, if you like the, the Shaun of the Dead trilogy with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, like those three movies they did together, which I did like, I like those movies, Baby Driver, any of his old shit that you're like, I love the style of Edgar Wright so much you might very well like this. There were just certain things that really um, killed it for me and I could, it kept taking me out and I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah, that that's understandable. Yeah. And I mean, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, I saw Baby Driver very, very late. I saw it this year. And Jesus. I know, I just like, it was on my list and I just never got around to it. I'm not a huge Ansel fan and I was kind of like, eh. But people were like, the supporting cast is so amazing. I was like, all right. I watched it. I fucking loved it. Those are one of those movies that the style over substance is okay. Like, Baby is barely a character in that film and it's okay. And that's fine. I mean, I, I think like, it's one thing to make movies that are incredibly divisive, you know, which I think it's okay to say Baby yes. Driver is. But when you're going to make those kinds of movies and then you decide you're going to like say something oh, yeah. in a very serious way, then that uh, you, there's a decent chance you're going to fuck yeah, it up. Yeah. And I like, again, I don't want to get into what he's trying to say because it's a spoiler, but the, the message is so muddled and politically insensitive that I, it was just like, man, this was not a good idea. <laughs> right. Somebody should have taken a, an eighth or ninth pass at this screenplay and fixed it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also like maybe an argument that men just need mm, to stop. Well, there is a, a like, <laughs> come on. Well, there is, um, there is a woman who I don't want to just say a woman. I'm getting her name up. Um, who had a, a co-writing credit on the movie. So yeah, it was, uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, um, who did the screenplay. Edgar came up with the story. Uh, Kirstie did the screenplay. So, um, you know, uh, a woman did take a pass at it. So I, I don't want to put it, you know, fully on Edgar, but somebody else should have looked at it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I could definitely believe that. Um, I could also see Edgar giving it to a woman to be like, is this okay? Uh, at which point she should have been like, no. <laughs> She's like, I think, you know, sir. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe we uh, we edit this a little bit. So, uh, do you have anything else you want to put in the the rec anti rec? Uh, okay. no, I do not. I feel like I have been just working on my own stuff and like working through things that uh, I have been meaning to get to. So, as I said, I I finally started watching Midnight Mass, and man, like I just. I miss the days when Catholics really get in their feelings. <laughs> I like, mean, did that stop? I feel like Catholics have always been in their feelings. I know they always have been, but I just haven't seen any art about it yeah. that wasn't like just some straight up like, hey, nuns are weird or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, we were texting about this earlier, but I was saying like, man, they got very lucky with Hamish because if his performance had sucked or been like, unengaging none of it works <laughs> yeah i was like oh this guy is he's great. good he's great. he yeah. can carry mike flanagan dialogue which is or i'm sorry monologues uh where you know nobody's interacting like a normal person um he makes it seem natural which is really hard to do yeah i mean when looking at his wikipedia page realizing that he his uh partner his life partner is lily rabe yes. i was like 
Oh, so like somebody like the woman who can elevate Ryan Murphy shit mm-hmm. is with a guy who can like actually make it through. I saw that and I was shit. like, and I was like, uh huh. I yeah, think I was on sense. his IMDb page or something or his Wikipedia page, and I saw that they were married, and I was like, hot, very hot. I'm into that. Yeah, extremely yeah. good. Um, so on that note, everybody, that was a long pop culture section, but it's a pop culture show. Suck my ass. Here's your bad news. I wanted to talk about Joe Manchin and the infrastructure bill. Womp womp. Um, Yeah, and it was the sort of classic story. Can you tell I'm so over politics? (laughs) I mean, who is it? I've like... yeah, I'm like every time I have to look at this. I know. I'm like, are we still fucking we're still doing talking this? about Joe like, Manchin? We're still talking about the Democrats selling out. It's like the millionth time I've had to, you know, uh, deliver this story. But um, yeah, surprise, fucking surprise. Joe Manchin refused to budge on the infrastructure bill and progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez were very, very upset because they wanted to um, combine the infrastructure a bill with the uh, Build Back Better Act. And uh, the Democrats were very, the the mainstream Democrats were very, very um, committed to splitting them apart, which a lot of progressives were very upset about because that diminishes the chances of the Build Back, Build Back Better, I hate the name so much, the Build Back Better Act of actually passing. So AOC basically... Um, she was just honest about it, where she's like, this fucking sucks. And they're doing it again. They're doing what the, the thing that they always do, which is, quote unquote, compromising that is actually selling out all of our ideals. <laughs> and it's bad. It, it's ultimately going to water down what the infrastructure bill could have been. They keep like emphasizing the like the what was it? Two trillion dollars as like. Yeah. Two trillion over 10 years. Over 10 years, which is like not that much money. And. Uh, it doesn't tell you what's actually going to happen with that $2 trillion. And a lot of like what might get axed is like stuff that would help poor people. Just help people, period. I mean, the the idea was, okay, we're going to do something ambitious. We're going to try and create or or strengthen certain social programs. We're going to invest in infrastructure, like actually. And yeah. And like stupid fucking like (laughs) mr i love coal and like specifically coal company owners and kirsten cinema are just out here just holding a spotlight on themselves shouting look at me i'm so so special uh which is perhaps not even particularly creative to make fun of them like that but the first of all what why are you even talking about the fact that like things aren't fully paid for? Like you are, like, it's the government. Also, like, nothing's debt ever, is an yeah. illusion. Nothing's ever paid for. <laughs> like, how do we keep going to fucking war? Is that paid for? It's like no, none of this is paid for. Uh, debt is an illusion. We can just print money. Blah blah blah. Inflation, but it's like none of this is real. So like, yeah. you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're the United States government. Um, yeah, they they just don't want to do it. Right. They just they just don't want to. And the willingness to 
the willingness to put up with the demands of two people who, if we're being honest, aren't going to win their reelection campaigns. Right. Uh, there's just no point. I mean, and obviously they're doing this because they're trying to personally enrich themselves. That's why cinema uh, has all of these connections to the, what is it? The direct sales association, the multi-level <laughs> it's marketers. Like the shadiest thing Lo- she could be involved in is her like bag. Yeah. I absolutely love that the acronym though is DSA because <laughs> I, of I'm, course it I'm is. I'm sure the socialists <laughs> love that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. So, but really all she wants to do is, is drink wine and like, I don't crazy. know. I just can't, I just imagine that she's going to end up going to like CrossFit gyms with Marjorie Taylor Greene at some point. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, you know, that's going to be like a reality television show one day and we'll all be trapped in the hell of it. Oh, God, that's disgusting. And they're both like trying on wigs together. I saw such a funny tweet that was like bad news for all the women who just threw on a bunch of random shit from their closet for Halloween. You look like Kristen Cinema. <laughs> which Yikes. is true. I mean, it's true. Watching her preside over the Senate while wearing that denim vest was I felt a part of me disturbing. Die. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. while we're still in the bad news section, let's get to this before we run out of time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, everybody. Oh, this has been, like I said, a rough week to be from Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, you know, to discover that, you know, now we not only we have not one but two total fucking crazy losers as our franchise quarterbacks for the last like thirty Ugh. years. Ugh. I mean, I didn't realize it was possible to be grosser than Brett Favre, but apparently asking Joe Rogan for advice when you get COVID will do it. Yes. So for any listeners who don't follow sports or don't live in the United States and you're like, who the fuck is Aaron Rodgers? He, as Meredith said, he's the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, who are a, they're a football team. So he's a, a really a hugely popular professional athlete. He got even more popular because he are they married now or are they just dating? Still only engaged. Okay, they're engaged. He's engaged to Shailene Woodley, who's a very, very popular actress. Um, and everybody was sort of like heart eyes for them for a while because it was like this collision of uh, you know, uh, Hollywood and professional sports, which like the media fucking loves, right? Because it's like a huge audience <laughs> watching <laughs> this celebrity couple. Uh, and yeah, it turns out not only is he unvaxxed, he lied about being vaccinated. He lied, like full on, like said, well, I've been immunized, which was his fancy way of saying that he went to his like homeopathic doctor and like took tinctures to supposedly boost his immune system uh, and did not get the shot. So he has been, you know, according to him, following all the protocols and everybody knew. Uh, but like out here just being like a walking virus bomb uh, to all of his receivers as he's been and like and his opposing teammates and everything else like the dude said he did a presentation to the NFL about his concerns about the vaccine. And he's like, they looked at me like I was a quack. And I thought, yeah, yeah dude, because you probably came off as as Charlie from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> there like, was so much yarn. There is no Carol. 
<laughs> Aaron, there was too much yarn. We were all scared for you. Uh, yeah. And here's the thing, like, uh, you know, we always got to, in the media, it's got to go full sexism before we can actually talk about anything. So, uh, there have been people like blaming Shailene and here's the thing. Are they the classic granola girl jock couple who are terrible? Yes. But I I think he had these thoughts before Shailene. (laughs) Yeah. There was somebody made a a joke on Twitter about how, like, it's a great day to reassess all of the people that of, of Aaron Rodgers' family that he cut out of his life. Yeah, uh, good point, good point. <laughs> because he, like, stopped. He doesn't speak to any anyone in his family anymore. And for a long time, that rift seemed like, oh, well, they're probably just a bunch of, like, weird, like, Inland Empire, Northern California weirdos. Uh, but it turns out he's the weirdo, uh, yeah. which I think. If yeah, I was a like, reporter, I would so. try to go talk to them. <laughs> yeah, well, they have been, uh, you know. And look, is it also funny that this is all happening at the same time that we are living through Olivia Munn's oh God. baby drama with John Mulaney? I can't. Like, I, like... I think it's funny because they dated for three years. Yeah. She was a uh, she was a staple at local Green Bay Pilates studios. Yep. Yes, apparently they do Pilates in Green Bay. Um, okay. Uh, people like what? I just I just don't I just don't understand. I don't get it. And I think that like one of the really positive things is as much as people in the state of Wisconsin, as divided as we are, love to hate on wokeness and cancel culture and all the rest of it. He lied about things and he acted like he was better than everyone. And we do absolutely hate people who do that. (laughs) And also, if I'm your teammate, it's like, cool, this is a clear sign that I should never trust you again. Absolutely. I mean, like, oh, it's cool that you are like in danger of having a massive head injury every single time you go out onto the football field. And now people that you've been lying to and treating like morons uh, are responsible for protecting you. Like, yeah, good luck. I wouldn't be surprised. I hope you never yeah. want to be blocked again. <laughs> you know, like, I know. It's not going to happen. Like, okay, <laughs> so countdown to interceptions. I will say that also, if you're a fan of The Good Place, uh, Blake Bortles has now signed with the Packers to be their backup quarterback. Ah, I don't know what that means. So, uh, remember when Jason Mendoza would always talk about how much he loved Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Vaguely. Yeah. Oh, yes, so, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Throw, like, yeah. I, when he, th- he throws a Molotov co- cocktail <laughs> and shouts Bortles, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is now like in Green Bay because oh, he's standing by to okay. take over in case Rodgers continues to be suspended. After Love this. it. So I'm pretty excited. That's about great. It. Uh, so potentially a good <laughs> outcome in all of this. Speaking of a good outcome, it's that time, everybody. Here's your good news. Woo! <laughs> So this first good news item Meredith suggested very helpfully because I sent you a text uh, maybe an hour before we were supposed to record where I said, do you have any good news? Because I was trying to find good news 
<laughs> and most of my good news items you'll see in a second are extremely petty. Um, and you actually have good news, which is a, a dear friend of ours, friend of the show, Liliana Segura, uh, who's a great reporter over at The Intercept, has been following this story for like two years of, of a man named Claude Garrett who had been convicted of murder. And now, nearly 30 years later, he could soon have his murder charge vacated, which is great news because um, I'll, I'll link to the story in the uh, the section, of, the notes section of the episode. But as was revealed in his case, he had been accused of uh, committing arson in which, was it his wife died? Uh, his fiance, his fiance. And then investigators looked into it and arson experts looked into it and they were starting to raise some big red flags where they were like, hey, we don't think this is arson and you guys can't prove it's arson. And this might have just been a horrible, horrible accident that happened. And this dude was in prison for 30 years. Yeah. And uh, so what's fascinating is that Liliana spent two years, I want to say, working on the story but initially, it was published several years ago, um, and the Tennessee Innocence Project had been working to try and and, and free him. Uh, and in the ensuing years, there's been an enormous amount of work being done to deconstruct uh, arson, like so-called arson science, mm-hmm. uh, and expose the flaws in in it because it's total pseudoscience. It's like the like, the blood. Sp- splatter uh thing where it's like this isn't actually a science yeah it's it's a lot of like people yeah Yeah. people who end up getting like sent to prison because like we saw evidence of an accelerant or x thing doesn't burn this way except usually they just have firemen who retire then become arson the arson investigators um there's an enormous amount of impetus to suggest that uh it was like something was criminal because then insurance companies don't have to pay out uh, <laughs> right. for your homeowner's insurance. Uh, but also uh, it has it has led to tons of people. I mean, one of the an incredibly famous uh, New Yorker piece about uh, Cameron Todd Willingham in Texas, who, uh, you know, is based on every bit of information that uh, has come out, was an innocent man who was executed. Because he supposedly, uh, like, murdered his children. And, uh, like, in a fire that they said was his, that he started. So it's amazing that, like, thanks to these procedural issues and the reporting, like, and the facts that she, that Liliana uncovered in her reporting was help, was critical to the Tennessee Innocence Project being able to find a play a way to successfully challenge this. So it, any day he could be free. Yeah. And that seems like a really amazing win for people who like to see justice yeah. done. And and it's so amazing because there's one way you could look at it, which is this man lost 30 years of his life, which is true, but also how amazing it is that places like the Innocence Project like don't give up on people. And even after 30 years are like, they could get you out and, and how incredible that hope must be for, for people who have been wrongfully convicted. Yeah. I mean, the fact that there are people out there who are dedicated to undoing these miscarriages of justice and then allowing people to have their lives back um, just because he had to spend 30 years in prison doesn't mean he can't, you know, I mean, 
he still gets to live the rest yeah. of his days he free. He gets to see his family. Yeah, that's incredible. amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Now that you did the actual good news, now it's time <laughs> to just be a petty bitch for like the next five minutes. Tim Pool has COVID and it's so funny. Oh, my God. I was so excited to send you that article. <laughs> I really, like, truly cannot express how joyful I was when I saw it and then texted you with that oh. headline because, oh, my God. And he had it. Like right when he was having a big indoor unmasked event where he was talking shit about people like taking COVID precautions. So he definitely held his own super spreader event. What a dummy. Uh, Yeah, the algorithm really let me down on this one because you text me and you were like, did you see Tim Pool has COVID? I immediately went to like, you know, in Twitter it says trending for you and it like tailors the trending topics to like stories you're interested in. And it wasn't fucking there. And I was like, come on algorithm. I always want to know when Tim Pool has COVID. Uh, You're like, how, how, how can you do this? Well, how do I specifically request? Show me more stories like this. show me this. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who Tim Pool is, he, he came uh, to fame being a live streamer during the Occupy Wall Street uh, protest movement and has since, like so many people we knew from, from those days, become uh, insane and stray further and further to the right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He has a media empire, apparently a very expensive house, and uh, is a total scammer. Yeah. Uh, in many ways. Um, I'm, you know, sure that that, well, I mean, who's going to tell Tim Pool? And, you know, he's taking horse paste. So we'll see uh, what happens. Uh, Joe Rogan <laughs> offered to pay his medical bills. Aw. Yeah, big week for Joe Rogan, yeah. seriously. Yeah, I mean, is he going to offer to pay the medical bills of every person who follows his insane advice and gets very sick from COVID? Oh, my God. I mean, it would be nice, but he still wouldn't get through even a part of the Spotify That's true. Money, so he, let's, he could do it. Yeah, we are also veering uh, – dangerously close to getting back to bad news so oh, yeah. let's stick with it's funny that tim pool has COVID. it's so funny and actually going back to the aaron Rodgers thing one of the reasons that men are very hesitant to get the vaccine is there is this myth circulating that it will uh negatively affect your sperm count um and it could cause impotence but what's so funny about that is covid actually has been proven to uh cause impotence so yeah. if you're worried about um, they get vaccinated <laughs> And I'm sorry, but like, is it the worst thing in the world that people are becoming sterile? No, we're like, yeah, the world is doomed. Uh, it's you know, yeah, the vaccine does not affect your boners. We understand you this. and I We've cannot all, like, end this episode going on our anti-child tirade because <laughs> that could be in an episode in and of itself. Yeah, you you know I agree with you, but yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, well, can we talk about how um, Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, has also oh. been officially outed as a sexual predator? Yes, I yeah, and that's oh. good because it gets away from me celebrating people I don't like getting COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, shocking though. Like you sent it to me, and I was like, oh wow, surprise, surprise! <laughs> the worst person in the world did something bad. Um, but yeah, he uh, he has been accused of multiple sexual misconduct allegations, which they were published by uh, Insider, I believe, on Thursday. And um, two women 
who went by pseudonyms because they obviously are uh, fearful of retaliation, accused Portney of turning sexual experiences violent and humiliating. Both women allege in the report that the incidents happened at his Nantucket home in the summer of 2020. And yeah, I won't read specifically what happened, but they were violent sexual encounters. You can read about them if you want the details. Um, but yeah, terrible. And I'm glad that he's been outed as a predator. Yeah, I mean, there's just, he does seem a little bit untouchable because he's so proudly the worst man on yes. the planet. But I do think that it's worth still like appreciating. He won't have to pivot and try to rebrand. <laughs> right. He, he was awful People from are the get-go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his defenders are going to continue doing their terrible stuff, whatever, however they want to. But, uh, you know, I still am, am pleased that the general, like, you know, my general absolute total revulsion has uh, documented uh, purpose aside from him just being a total useless, like, jerk yeah. um, who commands a troll army. Yes, Sexual predators being outed is always in the good news section. And on that note, everybody, we're out of time. Please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Was there anything else you wanted to plug or tell people about? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. But, uh, you know, by the time you have me on again, I imagine I might have a couple Hell of things yeah. to direct people Shit's to. in the works. And you idiots don't even know about it. I'm just kidding. We love you. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, if you're double vexed and you got your booster, get out there and cause a little trouble.